how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Colin and Samir Show. On today's episode, we are joined by Cassie Ho. Now, Cassie's been on YouTube for a very long time. She has a YouTube channel called Blogilates with over 8 million subscribers. I like to think of Cassie Ho as essentially Prime, Feastables, and Chamberlain Coffee, but many years before those brands were making headlines. Over the years, she grew a really tight-knit community on YouTube and started out like most creators do, selling them merch, putting her logo on a shirt, but today has two separate brands that both do over eight figures each in revenue per year. The two brands are called Popflex and Blogilates. Popflex is available online, and Blogilates is actually a partnership with Target. So it's available in physical retail stores. Pretty cool. In this episode, we talked to Cassie, as well as her husband slash business partner, Sam, who you will hear on the episode, about how she grew her YouTube channel and then was able to turn it into these colossal businesses. Now, we actually went to go visit Cassie at her home when we filmed this episode. So we have a video that goes along with this, but it's a little bit different. It includes more of us walking around her home, learning more about her strategy of how she promotes her products through YouTube Shorts. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out. It is a different experience from this. So you can totally listen to this and then go watch that. It's live on the YouTube channel now. All right, there's so much to learn from a creator who's been on the platform for as long as Cassie, but also someone who's built two massive brands. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you have something you want to say about the episode, you can head over to YouTube, put a comment in the comment section there. All right, here's our episode. So you started on YouTube in 2009, mm-hmm. and we were speaking with you earlier, and you said that 2018, 2019 was this point for you where you were close to quitting Mm -hmm. and you had told Sam you wanted to move to Hawaii. Yes, that's right. What was going on at that time that this career had become so difficult 10 years in? Yeah, so internally and externally, I felt like I was just being eaten alive. So internally, um, I had some bad hires and so I just really didn't feel supported. People were not in it for the vision and the mission. Outside, there was a lot of body shaming going on, a lot of people just commenting things about my body when I was just trying to teach some Pilates videos. And so that was really messing with me. And the business side of things, we added plus size and this was something completely new for us. I did not understand. And so when we launched it, the fit wasn't quite right. And for a couple collections, it was so inconsistent. And as you guys probably know, fit is the most, like you have to be consistent Mm -hmm, or else mm -hmm. you don't have a brand. And so sales actually kept declining. All of that was happening at the same time. And I really felt like I was not made out to do this. Um, I'm a terrible CEO. I'm a bad designer. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't even look the part to be a fitness instructor. And I just wanted to quit. And Sam said, okay, just give it 30 more days. And if after 30 days, it doesn't work out, okay, we'll think about what to do next. And it was crazy because in those 30 days, things started to change. Wow. Before we go any further, I want to acknowledge, like, we're in your home. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us here (laughs) it is like a completely beautiful space 
And it is also so cool. We spent, you know, a large portion of the day just seeing how functional this space is and getting to explore kind of where you are in business through the space here, through the, you know, all the apparel that's hanging in racks mm-hmm. to, you know, the weights that we get to see that you make, um, to the food we got to eat, we got yeah. to eat pancakes, you yeah. know? Um, and really like exploring what you've built through YouTube is honestly um, extremely inspiring to me because one thing that's really unique about you is you're, you didn't build a business that is YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, you aren't the type of creator who like built the business and it was like, it's brand deals, it's advertising, you're in the advertising business. You built an audience and a community and then were able to build businesses on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty amazing where you've, you've come to here. And I wanted to like go back in time to that that first upload, just walk me through why you uploaded oh, that video yeah. in 2009. Like, what was the thinking behind it? Why did that first upload come about? Yeah, I had been teaching Pilates at 24 Hour Fitness at the time, and I had gotten a job offer for a corporation on the East Coast. And so I needed to move cross country. And my students were like, who's gonna teach pop Pilates? And at the time it was the only Pilates format that was choreographed to pop music. There was nothing like that at the time, only Pilates to classical music or no music. And so I decided to upload a little routine for them and I emailed it to them and I was like, hey, do this if you miss me. And that was it. That was literally for 40 people. And then a few months later, I check it and there's thousands of views, hundreds of comments asking me to do more like it. And I was didn't even have the concept of what is a subscriber? What are these comments? Like I didn't understand, but that really was the beginning of building the community and listening to the people in my community, was, which truly is what has led me to where I am today. It's always been that feedback and that constant like back and forth of serving them because when I serve them, I serve me too. Did you, like, when people asked you to make another video Mm -hmm. and you came back and saw like, oh wow, thousands of people have watched this video. Did that excite you to make another video? Um, I think I was confused. Yeah. Because I didn't think I would ever make another video. Right. And it was like probably a few months between me doing the first video and the second video because I had moved already to the East Coast. Right. I didn't even know where to film this video or what to film it on. Um, I was just like, okay, I'll just do it. And they kept watching it and I was like, okay, I'll do it a little bit more frequently. And it wasn't until I quit my job um, that I began to do it a lot more frequently, but that is a whole nother thing. I quit my job because my bag ended up in Shape Magazine and I took that as a sign to quit my job, which I absolutely hated. And I bought a ticket to China on Friday. I left on Sunday. I said, I'm going to go to the Canton Fair, find a manufacturer and like, let's go big because if I don't give myself the chance to 100% succeed, I'll never know. And so I went for it. And when I came back, I had to make ends meet. I taught Pilates 12 times a week. And- um, 12 times a week, wow. 12 times a week, yeah. Morning, uh, middle of the day and evening. That's oh the only God. time you wow. teach group fitness. And it was hard, but it was such good training because that's when I really became a great Pilates instructor. Mm, and that could translate on camera too, because it was the and same. And it was all those weird pockets of yeah, time when yes. I would film videos. So it like it oh, was perfect, but it was also like such a struggle. Everything was such a struggle. Yeah. yeah. So let's zoom into that bag. Because yeah. in your first yeah. YouTube video, that bag is featured above you. It's like a product placement that yeah. you did, which is, uh, it's so interesting to me uh, that you had that, you know, early on of like, let's put some product mm-hmm. in here that I designed, uh, but also evident from our conversations with you that like design and, and making physical goods has always been 
at the forefront of what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. What was the story behind that that bag, that yoga bag? Okay, so I had been, like if we rewind like a couple years, I was teaching at a very small studio, um, Pilates to like literally three people. And I had to carry my yoga mat, my bottle, my towel, my CDs and my keys at the time. Um, and there was nothing cute to carry it in. I was like this. And then when I went, you know, probably to Target to like look for a bag. It was just like disgusting hemp designs. And I was like, ugh, I want something feminine and beautiful. And so I went to downtown LA, bought some scrap fabrics, made myself a cute bag and I brought it to class. And my students were like, what's that? Like we want one. And so that inspired me to like make it a thing. And so that's when I flipped through the yellow pages, like the literal yellow pages (laughs) like this. And I looked up like probably something like sewing or something like that and I like found someone and I called him up um and actually the business was like during the day like a a laundromat or something but like part of the business was also we manufacture little things it was just enough for my teeny tiny units and um that's how I made my first batch of bags and that bag that you see in that video was one of those first bags that that teeny manufacturer did for me and that was because you felt like you wanted a more aesthetic or more Mm -hmm. Just like a yoga bag that you wanted. Yeah, it was just a bag that I wanted. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. it. That's how it is. I, I want this sweater, so I'm going to make the sweater. Right. That's it. Yeah. How, uh, how did you get it into the magazine, into Shape Magazine? So I was looking through some physical magazines. I was looking at like, okay, who's the fitness editor? Who's like, I don't know, the hot picks cool. editor or whatever. And I decided to just find their address and attention them and just i sent out a bag with a note i don't even know if i emailed them honestly i think i just sent them out and every bag was like gold to me because i didn't have that many um and luckily like i think it was eight months or so into my job my sister sends me a text message and there's a picture of her finger pointing to something that looks like my bag in something that looks like a magazine. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? And so I run out to Target during my um, lunch break. And then I go grab Shape Magazine and I'm flipping through it. And then I see my bag and like, it's like a little mention, but still, oh my God, like someone yeah, actually thought yeah. it was a real brand. Like, what is this? And then I just started crying and I was like, okay, this is a sign. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to give myself that chance to succeed. And that's how it all started. Wow. You're, you know, first and foremost, you're, you, you moved because you were going to med school, right? Or No. So I actually, um, so I majored in biology, minored in business, and I was supposed to go to med school, but I actually last second dropped out of organic chemistry to sabotage the med school track because my parents weren't listening to me about how much I didn't want to do this. And I just decided that it would be better if I just ruin everything. So that began (laughs) a really bad strained relationship with both of my parents. But no, I actually moved to the East Coast to enter into a buying program to become a fashion buyer because that was the closest way I could get to fashion without having any design degree. So I thought, okay, I'll use my analytical skills from science and then we'll figure it out Got later. It. There's so a few that. things happening at once. You're yeah. trying, you're exploring like, how do I get a job in fashion? Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. You're teaching Pilates, you know, cause that's what you do and that's what's, yeah. you know, paying the bills, yeah. right? At the yeah. time. And then you're making videos in between there and then like merchandise emerges through 
you know, or you're making merchandise like the, the yoga bags mm-hmm. and then the blog a lot of these shirts. Merchandise is not an easy, not the typical or not an easy first monetization avenue for mm-hmm. a creator. Mm-hmm. And this is also what, what year is it? 2010, 11? Yeah, something like that. When was the first time that making a video translated to sales mm-hmm. in, in even like a significant way? Mm-hmm. Did the creator career kind of take off first and then product? after so the first time that it translated into sales was when i posted at the time the only social media was facebook if we don't count youtube and people were like hey cassie can you make a shirt and i'm like with what on it and they're like with blogilates on it i'm like why do you want my screen name on it like that's weird and then so we had a design contest and then we ended up printing um this someone's design on after the community voted, whatever that was, on some Forever 21 shirts that we screen printed. And then they sold out within minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, there's something here. What what was paying the bills at this time while you were doing these different things? And hmm. when did YouTube start to play a factor in that? Hmm. <laughs> what was paying the bills at the time? I don't know, I was trying to teach a lot. Um, and how much does a Pilates teacher at that time, like how much do you make? Oh, no, no, definitely not a lot. Not Especially a lot. when you're teaching in a big box gym, it's like under $20. An hour. A, an hour. A, a class. A, a class. And there's 50 For people in a class. class. And, yes. and you don't, you don't teach that many classes. Yeah. No, I think one of my biggest, like first like big breaks in YouTube, in my YouTube career was when, um, what like a like Livestrong reached out and asked if I would do like a full series for them. And they paid oh, okay. me like, this day rate that I had never even imagined was possible. What was that day rate? It was uh, five thousand. Five thousand. Five thousand. And I negotiated wow. myself. Wow. That was. I mean, that way. is that is like a extremely good day rate. Yeah, yeah, that was like really good. good. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line, there wasn't a roadmap to monetization at that time as a YouTube creator. No. Right. There wasn't like, oh, this is what you do. You first you make some money on AdSense, and then you do brand deals, and then you launch a D 2 C brand, or there's memberships. There's Patreon, that uh-huh. didn't really exist no. at that time, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, it, it wasn't. And then like real, when like merch or like at least my products became so much more of a bigger thing was when we went into these inspirational shirts that is like so 2012, 2013, 14 vibes, yeah, yeah, like yeah. neon colors and like all these words on top. That and inspirational water bottles with the timer. There was a month when we sold 30,000 units of one bottle. Like it be, it became a thing. Like, and the great and sad part of that is that because it was so easy to copycat, cause it was just like graphics on a yeah. thing mm-hmm. that I bought to uh, print on, a bunch of like Etsy stores started to do the literal same thing, maybe even literally take my graphics and then some big box stores start to sell them too. And that's when it's, I was like, ah, can't do this anymore. Also didn't want to wear it anymore. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to do real clothes, which I had kind of avoided in the beginning because I knew sizing was going to be a problem, mm. which it almost ended me, the sizing. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going to ask, like, what's your first thought? I'm making fitness videos. People are watching these. Now I'm going to charge for fitness videos. Because that was the model of fitness, mm-hmm. right? It was DVDs. Mm-hmm. There was there was memberships, mm-hmm. you know, online memberships. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that not your first thought? Or you wanted to be a designer so bad that it was like, I'm building this community and I have an opportunity now to become a designer and pursue my dream in fashion. Yeah, I think the design has always been there from the beginning because I need to use my products in my videos anyway. But the other things 
made sense along the way, like the DVDs, like yeah. the book deals, right. like having an instructor training program so that eventually Pop Pilates, that format that I started teaching back in college, ended up becoming the official Pilates of all 24-hour fitnesses God. with an, a training wow. program. Yeah. So that ended up happening and then um, having courses yeah. uh, in like cookbooks and ebooks that sold like crazy. Yeah. Like, in fact, wow. my first ebook sold more in the first day than my entire random house like book deal. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it's like, it was like that. And so these things happened as I was going along my own fitness journey. I would write programs for me that ended up working for other people too. Um, cookbooks with my recipes that worked for me that ended up being for other people too. But these were things that I think were very in line with like Cassie Ho, me as a person and where I was on my fitness journey. And then behind all of that, the design was just always there. It just like became more as I kind of did less fitness stuff. Yeah. And who was helping you during this time figure this out? Yeah. Because this is a lot, right? Like once you build an audience and all of a sudden, like you mentioned the Livestrong deal, mm -hmm. like you're kind mm -hmm. of like, how do I, how do I price this? What do I do? Like, were you just, were, were there other creators? Like who was, did you have a manager? Who was helping you along this way? <laughs> so from the very beginning, Sam, my husband yeah. has been helping me. Um, and he's definitely the numbers guy. That's how the work is generally split. split. But um, today, like I'm the CEO, head designer. He's the COO, also CFO, deals with all the numbers and analytics and logistics and all that kind of stuff. Um, back then it was split in a similar way, but like on a much smaller scale, but also in the very, very, super, very beginning, my parents allowed me to send all these boxes of clothes and bottles like to their garage and their living room and ended up like piling up the whole house. And we started shipping out of my parents' garage. And eventually um, we got a warehouse in Fremont and that's where all the, you know, 30,000 bottles got stuff it, were. Got and it, like, got it, got it. we tried to figure out what warehousing was and customer service was um but now, now we have a different facility that handles that but yeah my parents were involved a little bit in the beginning as well so what's the journey of blogilates because today yeah like today blogilates is available in target mm -hmm. and it's a licensing deal that you have mm -hmm. um like that brand went from fitness videos on youtube and it's gone through a lot of transformations yeah and that's still what the channel is called today yeah and tell me about the journey from, you know, of Blogilates from like that era, mm -hmm. you know, of, of selling merchandise and getting things going and having books to, to where it is today. Okay. So Blogilates actually started as a blog. That's why it's blog. Hence Blogilates. Blogilates. Blog and then YouTube and then really just making fitness videos because I put one up and then people started asking yeah. for more. And then that inflection point of people wanting merchandise. So I did that one design contest on Facebook and that led to more motivational bottles and shirts and things like that until there were too many copycat designs. And so I switched in around 2016 to creating our own activewear. And this is like, probably a few years until Lululemon being like so huge and everyone wanted like actual activewear. Um, so started that, the first two collections were good, but we only had standard sizes and no plus sizes. And I guess like, if I'm just gonna stop there for a second, original fans were not happy about that because my original collections were priced in a way that made sense for the fabrics and the quality that we were doing, but they were used to those like 15 or $20, like Trin and Sainer made the same yeah, shirts yeah. and they were really upset with me and had thought that I had left them behind. So there was a lot of that to battle through to prove like, hey, no, I'm like actually doing something different and mm. it's good and I'm a real fashion brand and all that kind of stuff. So that was the beginning of Pop Flex. 
That's when PopFlex was its own brand and Blogilates was like the fitness videos and I would wear PopFlex. And anyway, that went on for a little bit of time and there was struggles, like I said, with the sizing and PopFlex almost died. At the same time, Blogilates was dying. Mm. Well, me, Cassie Ho, Blogilates (laughs) was dying because I was not happy with what I was doing. And I had felt like with the employee drama, the internet drama and everything, I just didn't know who I was anymore because I felt like I just kept doing things that people wanted me to do, but I never looked like what they wanted me to look like. I never like did workouts that made them happy enough. Or like, I just felt like, who am I living for? So I decided to go on this 90 day journey where I was just gonna figure out who I was again, but through fitness. So I was like gonna go on a super clean diet. Like I just, I find myself through fitness. Like this Mm -hmm. is how I emote kind of, and I was gonna diary every single day. And after that 90 day journey, I really found myself again. I looked better than I ever did. I felt stronger than I ever did. And then I realized like, I know exactly what I wanna do with my life. And it was after that 90 day journey that everything changed for me. The business changed, this was 2019. And PopFlex began to grow again after that. And now it's 2023 and we've seriously like have over then doubled every single year after that 90 day journey. Wow. So yeah, and then so yeah, and then in 2020, at the end of 2020, Blogalize launched at Target, um, and that's when there were two brands. Because <laughs> I never thought Blogalize was really going to be like a brand brand. Now it's a brand brand, and like Popflix is a brand, so it's really cool. Can you give us a sense of the size and scope of each of the brands of Blogalize and Popflex? Yeah, now you have two brands. So. Each business on their own is an eight-figure business, and they've both been growing tremendously. That's like truly unbelievable, right? Like, do you, do you sit back and think like, wow, you had, like, had you actually become a fashion buyer? <sighs> yeah. And this wouldn't have happened? It would have never happened. And had you not uploaded fitness videos to YouTube, you would not have successful clothing brands. I know, it's crazy. But it's always been about following my heart first and also yeah. listening to what people, people are, are saying. saying yeah. the, the right people, yeah, right? The, yeah, right, yeah, the yeah. right people are saying. Yeah. Even, even just the fact that it started by serving your physical community. Yeah. Like right. The first video mm-hmm. was there so that 40 people mm-hmm. could follow along because you were moving and you weren't gonna be able to teach mm-hmm. anymore. I think that's so representative of, of how you make content today. Mm-hmm. The fact that you will scroll through the comments and pick a specific comment or three or four, Mm -hmm. put them in a short Mm -hmm. and right there address problems or concerns or questions or whatever from your direct community. Yeah, yeah, it's always been like that. And that is like, not only do I let that guide me, but also it helps the community feel like they're heard because they are, and not just by me, but we share these comments on Slack with our entire team. People are always screenshotting things. Um, We have a specific channel called Customer Improvements where people just screenshot ideas and stuff from what our community is saying. It's really important to me because I know I would not exist, our business would not exist, our, the jobs that our employees have would not exist without our fans. Like they have supported the dream, like literally. You have probably, you know, 10x the visibility of your brand and also yourself personally. You cannot be in a space with, you know, 100 plus million views a month where everyone agrees with you. Mm-mm. How does it change when you add that scale of visibility and that scale of voices to the creative process? Like how do you know who to listen to and who not to from a feedback perspective? Yeah, luckily now with the 10x more views, it's on my designs and not on my body. So that I'm grateful for. So I'm glad that I'm 
um, dealing with that. But yeah, there's going to be people that they're like, ugh, why is this neck hole so big? Like, it's like not even that big, like, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, like I have to make sure that I first, I have to like the design because if I don't like it, I'm not going to wear it. I'm not going to talk about it. It's not going to sell. That's one very important. Secondly, we make clothes for all types of bodies. And so one thing that comes out may not work for someone, but it may work for someone else. So it's also about educating our fans about like, hey, just because this doesn't work for you doesn't mean like you need to hate on it like like the next thing could be for you. And so I think I have to really just follow my aesthetic because if I begin to like, oh, make the sleeve a little shorter, make it, make it a little, I'm gonna look like a Walmart brand. Mm. Like you end up looking so mass when you listen to everybody. You have to have a strong backbone. You have to know exactly where you're gonna go. And fashion should make you feel emotional. It like should make you feel something. Either you're gonna hate it or you're gonna love it. Like, but if you feel like, Meh. I'm like, what's the point of existing? Wow, that that I feel like you you're speaking about fashion, but I feel like you're also speaking to just artistry and mm. like creativity. Because mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that on YouTube right now too, where there's a path to kind of figuring out what's going to work right now yeah. and what a mass amount of people would like. Mm. But it's kind of creating this homogenous nature to YouTube where everything kind of looks and feels the same, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And like to have a strong point of view of what your content should feel like is hard because it's actually for potentially less people than a mass, you know, creative Uh work or something like that. So Mm -hmm. it is interesting. And I think it is really important for all creators to think about having that strong backbone and POV, uh, whether they're creating, you know, garments or creating video, whatever they're trying to say. It's like, that's your expression. And it's hard. And I've been through the phases of trying to serve my audience so much that I lost myself. And so because I lost myself, I then knew exactly what I wanted to stand for. But it's so easy to follow what people say they want from you because you think that's the answer, but the answer isn't there. It's in here. It's always in here. You talk about the yoga bag for the first time being Mm -hmm. in Shape Magazine. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was like an oh my gosh moment. That was, yes. Has there been anything this year or in the last year that has been similar to that? I'm sure it's at a much different scale now. <laughs> yeah. But was there anything like that? Yeah, something that we both shared, like being on How I Built This with Guy Raz. Yeah. It was yeah. like an oh my God moment, <laughs> yeah, totally. like 100%. Yeah. Um, and then I another, this is not like an oh my God moment, but just like a constant oh my God. Like just the team, like every day they like make me so proud. Like I'm like getting teary eyed because I seriously like, I, I love them so much and um, I really can't, Oh my God, just where we were in 2018, it was so bad. And like where we are now, like it's a literal dream. And to have these people come into my life and like we're able to live this dream together, it's like the coolest thing ever. And like I, I like I said, I wanna like live and die doing exactly what I'm doing. Um, and I just feel like I'm living my dream every single day. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. How many people are on the team? We have 19 full-time people on the team and um, we work with like 40 different contractors on a daily wow. basis. Hmm. Um, and we're hiring, yeah, we're we're hiring like, I feel like almost every few months, right? Something yeah. like that, every we'll couple prob- months, yeah. We're adding more, for sure. We're adding we're more, yeah. We're understaffed. <laughs> we're definitely understaffed, yeah. But it's so important to have the proper culture because I know what it's like to not have that as a business owner and also as someone who worked for a corporation where I was just treated so badly. Yeah. Yeah, I find that sometimes it can be more difficult when it's your culture. Yeah. When I mean not not saying that it's the culture you want, but the culture that 
has become part of your organization because as a creator, you are trying to build the life that you want to live. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is build a life for yourself. Yeah. That's actually not what you want. I know. That does have all these people around uh-huh. it that rely on you. Yeah. So I can totally empathize with that of how much that actually hurts potentially more because you are the one building this thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it was, you know, hurtful back then because it's like, you think you are doing your best for people, but when it's, when it's just not the right fit, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not the right fit. And so I'm just so glad that I went through all those things to truly like, I don't know. I really didn't think we'd be where we were today. Culture wise. Like this is, I want, I want to work. I will work so hard to keep what we have this magical feeling like here for as long as I can. And I don't want to ruin it because it's so easy to with one bad hire, you can really ruin all of it. So we are really slow to hire as well. I think for creators, like I think especially we got our office, I would say in like 2015 or 2016. And that was like at the time, definitely something that we yeah. felt like we are taking this next step. Mm-hmm. We need to build our team. And I actually think that was like one of the, I'm on top of like, maybe the team wasn't the right fit, but also mm-hmm. that it was like a physical it, office. A physical office and yeah. it took, Cassie now is in a physical office every day and to be creative and to like do what Cassie does was really challenging. And I think once we moved, because, mostly because of the pandemic, but mm-hmm. for various reasons, we moved back home that like really, I think helped grow like the channel again. That's true. We felt like we had to be in an office mm. to feel legitimate Legit, in a way. Legit, yeah. Um, because we were growing our business and things like that. But like by going back home, that gave Cassie like the flexibility to like be creative and create content again mm-hmm. in a way that- I love that. Wasn't yeah. in an office and I don't know mm-hmm. if you- That is a really good perspective and something to share with creators because we just moved into a new office and like we are, we've always kind of gone somewhere to make, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know that we've ever explored the other side of it mm-hmm. of like, what does it look like to not be attached to one location like that or mm-hmm. even to create at home or to like make a creative environment that's, you know, not an office. Cause it is different to actually be anchored in to an office, you know, like going mm-hmm. somewhere every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. Like speaking of creative liberation, how did like short form vertical content play into creative liberation, if at all? Oh, the best. The best. Okay, got it. Because horizontal content creation was also my fitness era days. And I would have to, I felt like I had to put on lashes and do my hair and do my makeup and look as good as I could because people were already tearing apart my body anyway. So I had to look so good on camera. And then when- um, And it was a production. It was a whole production. Sam would film. I have to schedule time to film with Sam. Sometimes we'd have a crew. Like it was like, oh, it was a whole thing. And I actually never enjoyed these days. I just didn't. And we try to film like four or five videos at once. So I'd be so tired by the end of the day. And I didn't take breaks. Like every fitness video was the fitness video. So I'd work out so much an entire day. Anyway, when short form content came in, it became fun again, like specifically with TikTok because it was like, oh, trend sounds, you just like do a thing. It's like a game. And like, it was just really fun. And that was, I was still doing fitness stuff. We're like how Disney princesses um, dress if they went to the gym, like just like fun Mm -hmm. things that were fitness adjacent. 
Um, or just like five moves for your arms, like so easy, not like I have to do the whole thing. But what really changed for me was when I began to show people the other side of my life, the part that took up like 95% of my day, Mm -hmm. but I never Mm -hmm. talked about it. So people, when they met, would be like, oh, so you work out all day? I'm like, no. Um, so I was like, you know what? One summer when I was just feeling really down about just fitness in general, I just like, wasn't feeling it. I was like, I want to show my fans the re- like the other side of me. And when I made that conscious decision, that's when I decided to show them, okay, well, let me show them how I make this and like why I made that or like why I like these yoga pants and whatever. And then people were into it and I feel very lucky that they were into it because if they weren't into it, then I don't know where my content would have gone. And I, and I yeah. probably would be very unhappy making videos that no longer challenge me. It's yeah. really scary to reinvent yourself oh, on yeah. YouTube mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you've built millions of subscribers for fitness content, yes. right? Or for whatever you're making. Absolutely. Like, and to go, now I'm going to show you my entrepreneurial designer journey. Yeah. Is like related, but pretty scary, right? It to- is. And then there was a lot of people being like, when are you going to upload another fitness video? Right. Where's the fitness? We signed up for fitness. Like it was happening and there'd be mm-hmm. forums about it. And I was just like, uh, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm never going to make an announcement that I'm not going to do it again sure. because I might do it again. I'm just feeling what I feel. And right now I feel like designing a lot. And yeah. so, and look, like I, like I said, I work out every single morning and this is how I know how to design for an active woman because I am that woman. It's just this moment. I don't want my body to be bashed every single time. I'm just trying to teach a workout. It's just not... I don't feel good about that. And so it's been nice having a full year of people not saying anything bad about my body. It's been great. I feel like you're telling so many more stories that you weren't able to tell before. I mean, even looking at some of your short form content now, a lot of it's sometimes about your early origins of wanting to be a fashion designer in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's one that you put out about uh, your dad saying you can either be a doctor, a Mm -hmm. lawyer, or a failure. Mm -hmm. Like there are some really interesting moments from your early journey as an entrepreneur, which we really get to learn about through the shorts. Like how important is it for you to tell those types of stories? It's really important for me because I think, like I said, it's therapeutic. It helps me revisit specifically that, like a place where I was told I couldn't do something and now I'm doing it. Like that feels so good. And so um, I, I I like it. My video editing is a form of like, almost like it's like a diary too for yeah. me sometimes. So I enjoy it a lot. From what Colin was just saying, I want to dig into that because like listening to you on how I built this or even um, the short you made about kind of your childhood, like mm-hmm. I felt very personally connected to to your journey with your parents and mm. and even just that feeling of like, you know, like in my family being a filmmaker, being a, what I want to be a musician, even though my dad is, you know, clothing designer, Mm -hmm. he was kind of like, I did what I had to do, but Uh now you can do the like doctor lawyer thing. Yeah. You know, I set you up for success here. Uh So now you can do that thing. And I was like, but wait, I want to do a totally alternative thing. And I'm terrible at school too. Yeah. Um, And that was hard. And I'm curious, like, if that at all, or how that played into like the rise of your career like mm-hmm. was there did you crave the validation from your parents of look i pursued a different path and it worked um or were you kind of like did you push some of that aside of like you guys wanted me to to go down a more traditional safer path um and i went down this path yeah i mean our relationship 
has been strained and is still honestly quite strained these days, but it all began when I rebelled against yeah. them in college by dropping out of organic chemistry to ruin my entire medical track. Um, and in the beginning, it was very much like, when are you going back to school? What are you doing with your life? All yeah. this kind of stuff. And then they they saw the success of Blogilates, but didn't truly understand it. But we're still proud because like their friends, daughters would mm -hmm. be like, oh, like, you know, right, they would right. get. Yeah. And yes, I have always craved my parents' validation. Like I, I have, and I've always been very much like a straight A student because it made, you know, I felt good about it, but it also made them feel good too. Mm -hmm. And so me rebelling in college was very much like, oh my God, this is the first time, like I'm not doing something that makes them happy. And I didn't know if I could make do something that made me happy too. So I felt like from that moment I broke away, I had no choice but to be successful. I had to follow my dreams and I had to make it work. And so I think these days when I tell those stories of, you know, my dad saying those things about how I would never make it as a fashion designer, yeah. Those stories, I guess, help me validate myself, you know? Sure. Um, and I'm just grateful that I'm able to live out this dream right now. And, you know, my parents, they're, yeah, we're, we're figuring things out, but like, I don't know, like with, with Asian parents, um, specifically mine, Vietnamese, Chinese parents, it's like nothing is ever really good enough. And so even if it's like, hey, look what, we did this month. They're like, look at the blog, Black Friday sales. They're like, oh, cool. But like, I thought it was going to be this. Yeah, They're like, yeah. oh, that's it. Right, right. Like, eh, you know, stuff like it, that. Yeah, I, I bring it up because I think it's, I I would have really enjoyed hearing stories like this, uh, like kind of coming into my own entrepreneurial journey. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I think just like recognizing and understanding like how do you, how do you, um, you know, coming from these different types of backgrounds, you know, lean into this like this this individuality and this um expression of like what you want to do as an entrepreneur and this this path that you know you're kind of pioneering yeah honestly. No, it like, was it was really hard and i was looking for stories too because yeah. i wanted to know that it was going to be okay and right. that i could do this and like my parents were even trying to coax me and be like oh if you're not going to be a doctor optometrist is fine dentist oh, even naturopathic like right, right. Or maybe maybe whatever you want to do and then design scrubs on the side it was right. like no 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 like i'm literally going to do this thing and they were so worried but you know like as an an old as an adult now i understand that they just wanted financial safety for me especially the sure. immigrant parents yeah. who escaped a war-torn country in the 70s to try mm -hmm. to you know make it work going from the bottom up like my dad was like um, a busboy and he he like had a college education but he was a busboy like getting paid like two dollars and fifty dollars two dollars and fifty cents an hour trying to make things work my mom worked at a factory until to give us like this platform to begin at and they were like so you're not gonna become a doctor like that right, doesn't make sense right. for me but I, I think them being so against this career choice only fueled more passion mm -hmm. inside me to be like no this is exactly what I want to do yeah. and it created a fighter mentality that is the same with how I deal with everything in life. Sure. So if I really want something, there's nothing that's going to stop me. So what's next for, I guess, yourself, like and Blogilates and PopFlex, like you're building these businesses, um, you're creating a lot of content. Mm -hmm. Like how do you how do you see the next year or two years when it comes to the business and the content? I want to keep designing more things. I want to keep growing at the rate that we're growing or more. 
And one day I want to compete on the same level as, as some of the biggest activewear designers mm. in the space. I think it's going to happen. Um, and I'm just excited. Like, yeah. I just want to keep going. I feel like what's really cool about that and even that goal of yours is you are um, mentioned a lot and covered not as a YouTube creator, but mm. as an entrepreneur and as someone mm -hmm. who's building a a brand. Okay, so that was like a really conscious thing that I wanted to do. Okay, okay so like that. a couple years ago, this is all during my like yeah. breakdown summer of like, I don't want to do the fitness thing anymore. I was like, I'm kind of sick of people just saying fitness trainer Cassie Ho. And like, yeah. no, there's more to this, but like, granted, like I need to prove it too. So like through the videos, I was like, this is how I'm going to begin like showing that. And it took like, I think a year, year and a half for people to start saying, entrepreneur, comma, Cassie Ho, or like business, whatever, fashion designer, like How did you communicate time. that? You're saying like through the, the content that you released about? Uh, a couple about. ways. One, my content started to change, so yeah. that would be the last like mm -hmm. set of things that you would see. Secondly, if there was an interview, we would just make sure that that's what they would say uh, before they mentioned Cassie. And then it began to change. But that was a very conscious thing that I needed to happen um, because I just felt like these titles that people were giving me just wasn't fully fully encompassing who I was. And it was important to me, um, I guess, another form of validation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. for the media to represent me how I wanted to be represented because that's who I actually am. I think you stopped taking opportunities that that's were true. coming up that were that's really true. good fitness opportunities, yeah. but it's just like, I don't want to do a fitness hmm. thing. Even saying no. Like, saying I don't, no like to like big, national like, TV shows. Good Morning America stuff. would be like, oh, yeah. come be, do a fitness routine. But it's just like, I don't want to. That's not what yeah. Cass wants to do. So. I don't want to do that. Not yeah. all exposure is created equal it, when yeah. you are. And you're also like telling, you're creating your narrative. You've got to pick and choose carefully how you want to be represented. Because for a while, because I was the normal looking person that I was teaching yeah. Pilates and not a fitness body, people would just start, like the media would just call me body positive activist, comma, Cassie Ho. And it's <laughs> like, uh, I'm a Pilates instructor. Yeah. Why are we calling yeah. me that? And so like, it was, ugh, you know, they brand you and it stays because it goes on to the next person yeah. who introduces yeah. me. So yeah, you, I think the, the past year, um, it was hard to get it started in that way. But I think because the content promoted who I was too, it became easier over time. But it was tough to change the narrative in the media. What advice do you have for people who want to do what you've done? Because obviously it's taken you yeah. know, years and years and years for this to happen, but now you know so much more. Yeah. And the landscape has dramatically changed. Mm -hmm. Like starting today, it has dramatically changed. Mm -hmm. But I think the opportunities to create clothing brands or a business through content is like very much here. I mean, we're seeing brands like Chamberlain Coffee or, you know, Prime or Feastables, like these brands are getting built through media distribution. Yeah. So what advice do you have for like a someone who wants to do something like this, wanting wants to build a brand through content? I I think you have to be product first with your brand. This is what I truly believe. Um, may, I don't think I'm the only person who wants their brand to live on after they die, but it shouldn't be so pushed by a video or like someone saying, hey, buy this. Like if it is a really good product, word of mouth will help it keep, you know, will help it be long lasting mm -hmm. as a brand. So it, I think it has to be product first. And then you have to make that product development part of your content and it is, people just are so curious what happens behind the scenes yeah. and the why behind what you're doing. Um, I mean, that's how our business has grown and I feel very fortunate that people are interested in the why behind 
why I design things. And I hope that continues to be the case as we keep growing because there's so much in the pipeline. I love that concept, that word of mouth. Like word of mouth yeah. is the marketing. It so is. everything else is just accelerating it. It is. And like for people that get very excited about the things they buy, like me, I will just like keep talking about it. And it's right. like free promotion. Mm -hmm. and it's real promotion. It's not those transactional brand deals that we see where influencers are saying whatever, whatever. It's that authentic, genuine love for something because you know someone put so much thought into it. Um, all right. I'm going to stop here. Thank you so much for hosting yeah. us. I mean, we've oh, spent the whole day here yeah, and we have so you. much. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. We have heard so much of your story and have so much to, to present to people. And I'm, I'm really excited. So honored to be on the show. Seriously, you guys. Yeah.